we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Well, it was a moment that many people thought would never come, and that was, uh, well, at the top. Uh, the Biden administration has ended the COVID-19 vaccination requirements for a whole host of folks, the federal employees, contractors, uh, even international travelers now, uh, educators, uh, CMS certified facilities, all kinds of things. Uh, there are still some uh, left open out there, but the vast majority now uh, that has ended, and uh, that is uh, probably a bulletin you thought you all would never hear. Long overdue to be sure, should have never been put into place to begin with. Uh, but that's the story today, friends. Welcome here to America Out Loud Pulse. It is indeed Malcolm Out Loud here, along with my co-host. A doctor vindicated Peter McCullough. <laughs> I like that. I like that. The first name is Vindicated. Now the middle name would be Peter, right? <laughs> okay. You know, I feel like we're vindicated that, you know, people yeah. have been waiting for this. Why, yeah. Yeah. you know, why did the vaccines, uh, you know, persist in these government mandates as long as they did? And you can see the confusion just a, a few days before this, the CDC had reiterated this um you know, recommendation that international travelers coming in have a vaccine. They they had said that a vaccine uh, August 16th or beyond would be valid, but the CDC would accept uh, a Chinese vaccine, an Indian vaccine, would uh, accept the obsolete Janssen vaccine, Novavax vaccine, and then, of course, they were focusing on Pfizer and Moderna, but they didn't require the vaccines for uh, Americans who are unvaccinated. We know 25% of all Americans never took a vaccine. So they could come in, but the international travelers couldn't. They were accepting vaccines that were never approved in the United States or obsolete. And uh, and then pilots who came in, they wouldn't have to take a vaccine. Uh, so none of it made sense. The CDC recommendations, you can tell the CDC was not in sync with the White House and that and Biden puts out this, uh, his administration puts out this message. Well, you know, you think about the last few years, Peter, and there has been no logic whatsoever. There's there's absolutely no logic to anything these people have done. The sad part about it that really is so wrong are the people who succumbed to the pressure for a whole host of reasons even though we were here preaching this gospel from day one to stay away, stay away. Many of our listeners and surely our circle here are in that 25% you just mentioned that uh, did not partake in this uh, futile exercise uh, given to the human race and forced onto many people. But all those people now who have serious injuries, uh, dealing with those who've lost their lives, all of this based on these mandates is a pretty sick state of affairs in our country, Peter. That's the logic you have at this point, isn't it? You know. Yeah, and you're right. And no one's saying they're sorry. Right. No one's saying, well, you know, it just didn't work out, or you know, it was our best shot. But <laughs> you know, there's no, <clears throat> there's no remorse. Uh, there's no second thought about this. Uh, you have so many people who 
have been destroyed. I just finished clinic today, Malcolm. I saw multiple people who are now disabled from this. A woman who still has uncontrollable shaking. Now, it's been 18 months since she took a shot. She said, when I first took it, she goes, I, I, it literally looked like I was having a seizure in bed. I could not stop these shaky movements in my arm and leg, arms and legs. I couldn't move. And you've seen videos like this. And when she described it to me, I said, oh, my Lord, this must have been horrible. And it's now been 18 months. She's ruined, by the way. She used to be a paramedic, wow. fully functional, a little bit younger than me. And uh, she could walk, not not very uh, <clears throat> assuredly. And when I had her stand up and I do certain tests where I pulled out the arm, certain neurologic tests, she could not stop shaking. She was, doctor, this is good compared to what I used to be. I said, oh, my Lord, it's just so awful. And again, no apologies, uh, no recognition by many doctors that the vaccines did this. Uh, the vaccine injured are this giant population of incredibly frustrated and, and really forgotten, ignored people in the country. My heart goes out to them. Yeah, it sure does, Peter. It sure does. Uh, it 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 makes uh, it makes you sick. It makes you angry. Uh, there, there's you know it, it's it's just so wrong. Uh, I, I just it's hard to even find the words, frankly, on this whole thing. And it I get I get so sick over this thing to think what it's done to people's lives. I mean, it it really does impact me in that way. And I I hate to see anybody go through anything in their life that could have completely been avoidable like this and the magnitude of the damage it did. Now, a couple other points to this thing, friends, and that is that this all happens on May 12th now. Uh, it didn't happen. You'd think it would happen yesterday or whatever, but no, I mean, May 12th, I guess they, so for the next, uh, what, week and a half, it's still in play, believe it or not, or whatever that means. And then also there are some other points here you might have noticed. Uh, mandates for Head Start employees, a healthcare facility certified by federal regulators, uh, non-citizens arriving by U.S. land, not air, but land. All of these still are mandated to get the vaccines. And the only sort of quasi-statement put on the side is that, well, They'll probably be wound down in the future, is what the administration suggested. But why not let those folks go? Any idea, Peter, what's behind all that? It's hard to know. You know, the vaccines were considered a military countermeasure. And how that uh, intercalates with various immigration law uh, and travelers coming in and, and what's categorized as national security threats uh, it is so hard to know. It's so darn complicated. You know, we're hearing stories of people just pouring over the border, Malcolm. And and I can tell you, it, it's uh, the type of thing where, you know, they're calling for uh, Mayorkas, our, our um, uh, Homeland Security Director, to basically just resign. Oh. I, I mean, they, they've given up. The borders appear to be a mess. And so somebody who's actually coming over the border uh, straight up as a legal, uh, let's say somebody from Canada coming over, like they have to be vaccinated, but but people pouring over the border at El Paso, nobody even cares. I mean, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's awful. Yeah, yeah and the uh, the border, uh, Title 42 is going to be, uh, it's ending now. This was the COVID uh, deal uh, put out by President Trump at the time, Peter, you might remember. Uh, that has already been extended and fought through the courts prior and now they don't have much recourse, and it really is going to showcase, if you will, 
uh, how reckless these policies are. That's what's going to happen. So what's happened now is there are last count just, oh, about, well, on the weekend here, so a couple of days back here, uh, there was like, oh, 40, 50,000, if you can believe this, amassed just on the other side of the border, waiting for that Title 42 to end, waiting to pour over the border. In fact, it was just announced, oh, uh, yesterday or so, that they don't know what to do with the administration because, again, their policies are crazy. Um, but they're looking to send a bun- about 1,500 or 15,000, maybe it was, uh, security officers, uh, uh, military support, if you will, up there to, uh, to the border, down to the border. Uh, it's a pretty bad situation. There's a price to pay for all of that that's going to happen. We're going to be focusing on that border uh, this coming weekend on on Viewpoint this Sunday. I will tell you that to cross-pollinate that for you all because we've been on all those hot topics there. But that's a big deal. You're right to mention it, Peter. And and again, that's that's wide open. Here we are doing all these reckless policies with COVID here, and that's been wide open right along. People coming in with all kinds of problems, well beyond COVID, but God knows what else they're coming in with. There's no checks, no security whatsoever going on there. Here's the kicker to this now. You're ready for this. So the White House says, uh, with all this said now, they say, uh, this is the statement they put out. And 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 I would suggest, uh, uh, Dr. McCullough, you'll have a little bit to say about this. So so their statement is, our COVID-19 vaccine requirements bolstered vaccination across the nation and our broader vaccination campaign that saved millions of lives. Yeah, this is their statement, their official statement. And while the vaccination remains one of the most important tools. Wow. You, t- you you said you want an apology. These people just continue to double and triple down. That's what that's the kind of apology you're going to get. Uh, so important tools in advance of the health and safety of, of people, employees and promoting the efficiency of workplaces. We're now at a different phase of the response. And when these measures are not being required anymore. But can you believe that statement from the White House? It's just, uh, it's so bizarre. It's (laughs) this claim of saving millions of lives, uh, even vaccine uh, officiato or even vaccine enthusiast, Dr. Peter Hotez at Baylor just, uh, you know, tweeted out, well, the the mandates are changing. I recognize this, but I have mixed feelings, almost as if he's seen seen a a lover go away or something. Mm. I mean, people have developed this this very bizarre emotional connection to these vaccines where they just believe, they have to believe that they work. They just, it's like a talisman. It's almost taken on some type of religious meaning in their lives. You know, when I went to India, I was so amazed with uh, the cultures there. They said the vaccines in India are like people and they should never be insulted. They're almost given uh, a reverence uh, that you would never say anything bad about any vaccine. Well, come on, vaccines are, you know, just like any other medicine, any other therapy, they should come or go. They should be retired. They should be critically evaluated, reevaluated. They all have side effects. They all have risks and benefits. Mm -hmm. Nothing is held in as like like I say like a talisman. Uh, it, it's there's some type of vaccine ideology that's set in. It's it's been in the works actually probably for many decades, if not over a hundred years, believe it or not. Yeah. And and we've had this through smallpox and polio and 
there's always been a thought that, boy, you know, the, that there's a human vulnerability that we're vulnerable and that we're a herd and we're tribal and we all have to go in it together and take these vaccines. It's It's been baked into the human psyche now for a couple hundred years. And by the way, Malcolm, the same thinking is in veterinary medicine. It's the same thinking. Our animals are vulnerable. Uh, we have to protect them. And, and there is an acceleration of animal and livestock vaccines, just like human vaccines. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, you, you mentioned the relationship, some people uh, afraid to let it go. I think what they're afraid to let go of is a, is a totalitarianism is what they're afraid to let go of, frankly, uh, because well, that's that's what this thing is. huh? I know. But think about this. You're right. In totalitarianism, what's in it for them? Hmm. It's power. Think about all these people like Hotez. I bet his yeah. great revenue skyrocketed NIH, fame and fortune. He's publishing um, books. Uh, his big uh, target is what he calls anti-science. So he's claimed that he is science, represents science, and everybody who's not with him is anti-science. Uh, you, you know, that that's uh, propagandized. No one holds agency over science, where Fauci tried to make this claim, simply data, and we all have a fair chance to evaluate it as, uh, you know, experts and lay people. Everybody is entitled to their own opinion on things. This idea that someone has the right answer and everybody else is wrong, Americans should reject it. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. You're exactly right. Uh, everyone has is entitled to, I mean, that's the thing that's lost in our country. And you, and you know what I'm talking about, Peter, but it's the it, it really, um, oh, this really bothers me. The fact that diversity of opinion, uh, diversity of thought, diversity of people, diver uh, uh, amazing, these are beautiful American traits. It's what our nation is founded on. It's one of the proudest uh, points I've always had to be an American uh, is to stand head and shoulders above so many others in the fact that we, we take these principles to heart. They're, and it's been lost. It's been lost. It's gone. There's no more. It's, you know, it's, there's, it's so disrespectful when you have a different opinion or a different thought or you misinformation or disinformation or being called a coward, being called names, uh, being ridiculed, uh, just because you don't agree with whatever it is you're supposed to agree with, which is so un-American, but yet it's become a way of life. And I think it's the crux of what's wrong with our country uh, Peter, and why we are so divided today as a people, we, we've lost decent respect. I, you know, I've always enjoyed Peter, bringing everybody to the table. I've always been that kind of a guy, even in the boardrooms. Uh, I, I just felt it was important to have different voices at the table. It's the same way I conduct my programs. I don't cut guests off and act like a maniac and scream like Sean Hannity would or have a, you know, whatever. I don't, whatever. <laughs> Bring your opinion, man. It's all right. That's what America's done. Am I right or wrong, sir? I agree. I remember as a kid growing up, my grandmother always used to have uh, Sunday dinners and it was always at noon. We'd go to church in the morning. Yeah. We had a grandma's house and my dad would show up and my dad had all these opinions and his brother and <laughs> and uh, his sister was, you know, my dad's far more right leaning. She was far left leaning. And they would, they would they'd be hashing out all these discussions. And I was a kid. I just remember sitting. Do you remember when there was the table, the dining room table? Oh, yeah. Oh, then yeah. the kids sat at the little yeah. card table. Was yeah, little yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember it. sitting at the card table, but I was always listening in to see, yeah. you know, who was expressing their opinions. 
And, uh, you know, that was the way things mm. used to be hashed out. Now people send little, you know, little tweets and, and, and things, everything's asynchronous and people kind of hunker down in their, in their bunkers. We don't have any town halls now to hash out anything. Uh, medicine, uh, listen to this, Malcolm. This is amazing. I went to my son's graduation down in Houston, Texas Medical Center, and I listened to all the presentations, the um, graduation speech and all the other speeches. And my son, this is four years of effort. So my son started before the pandemic and he's finishing at the end of the pandemic. Listen to this. Not a single mention of COVID or the vaccines for this graduating class. Wow. Oh, as impressive. if it never happened. If as if it never happened. <laughs> it, it's stunning how you yeah. can almost see a whitewashing going on. That is just. I, I think so. We, well, we have short memories too. Remember, people have in this country. I'm telling you, it's a danger. Short memories, uh, for real, and they forget the pain that was in, inflicted upon society, upon uh, American society. They forget that, and it's pretty sad. You know, Peter, I got to tell you, I got to, I got, I got to, I got to get this out. But you know, you mentioned the card tables and the the dinner table and all that. And you know, what a what a fond memories I I've got to share with you and listeners. But it brings me back to growing up my with my family. My mom, oh, my mom was one of the most you just would love her. I would have loved her. She's not here anymore, and I uh, I miss that lady. Mother's Day is coming up, so she's been on my mind lately. And I remember, you know, my Sunday dinner was the table, the, the door was always open and there was always room for people. That's the, that's where I get my people to people skills was from my mom. She was that kind of a person that was just so open. Her door was always open. Her house was always open. There was always room for one more at the table. And it's just the way it was. And the, the card table, the kids, you're so right. The adult, you know, that whole thing. But Ah, those were the days, weren't they? Boy, they're long gone, though, Peter, I'll tell you. But that was a memory. You just walked back to me a moment it, ago. It, it's true. I have one more <laughs> table term at my dad's uh, funeral. My dad passed away in the last year. Uh, you know, we used to, uh, every night, you know, have to be at the dinner table. It, it, dinner was at a certain time. It was very strict. No one ever skipped dinner when I was a kid growing up. And we had to be there. And uh, my little brother gave the speech because there, uh, typically we had three boys in my family. There would be some wrongdoing. You know, you have three boys. Something is going to be broken or destroyed or somebody created some infraction. And my little brother said, called it the judgment table. So <laughs> we would be called to the dinner table for the judgment. My dad would pass judgment on whatever, whatever um, uh, impropriety happened or what have you. And it's just, it's just the way we remember things. Things are different now. You know, I would say one thing that in modern days, I remember this as my kids were in high school. Uh, my wife would, she's a great cook. She would work two hours on dinner. We'd, uh, you know, get, get everybody to the table for dinner. <clears throat> I, one time I clocked it, Malcolm, it was 11 minutes. And my kids were off back on their phones wow, and computers. Wow. And we yeah. lived in a big house, so the kids would scatter everywhere. And you know what my wife and I decided? You know what's way better when you're at this critical time, let's say junior high, high school? Go out to dinner. So we actually went out to dinner. We'd sit in a booth, you know, have, have everyone there. And the waitress would come by, you ready to order? My wife would say, not yet. And we would <laughs> just have the kids captive and say, hey, kids, how was school? What's going on? What's this about girlfriends, boyfriends? You know, and it, it just you get FaceTime 
So eating out created FaceTime, whereas eating home because of all the distractions and everything else and the scatter phenomenon uh, is no longer what it used to be in the days of old. God, I love talking about this stuff. I have to tell you, I could talk about this for hours with you. Um, it's just, it's, you know, the fond memories. You know, when dinner was happening, I, I remember, Peter, all the times running home from the from the sandlot. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. You know, I played ball as, in school and I played as I wanted to be a professional baseball player, actually, is what I would have loved to have done in my in my uh, youth. And uh, I remember just running home. Like you say, dinner was a certain time and you had to be there. Right. You know, and uh, run home from the sandlot ball uh, from ball, playing ball and uh, just having dinner. And uh, boy, those were the days. And uh Got a lot of memories back in those days, I'll tell you. Uh, just remarkable, just remarkable. So interesting to share some of that with you friends out there. And uh, uh, But anyways, uh, this is Q&A uh, 67 today, by the way, uh, to keep track of that. And I, and I want to, there's a few interesting ones up front here that I want to share with you. But this first one kind of plays to what we've just talked about a little bit here. And I, I, I want to see how you respond to Christine uh, kind of interesting how some people are still asking these kinds of questions. But her question is, Christine says, do grandparents need shots before seeing their newborn grandchildren? Hmm. Wow. What do you say to Christine? They certainly don't. The grandparents uh, don't re represent any threat to the children. And moreover, the children don't represent any threat to grandchildren. I would say the only time where the kids are a threat to grandparents, honestly, is if in some countries, and I know we're an international program, uh, in some countries where a child has chicken pox. So believe it or not, if a child has chicken pox, I tell the grandparents to stay away. Because if the grandparents uh, have not had it themselves or uh, haven't had the chicken pox vaccine, which is only partially effective, that adult chickenpox or chickenpox in somebody who's in the elderly years actually can create chickenpox pneumonia and be fatal. So it's the one time I'm a little bit more cautious as a child with chickenpox. But to go see a wonderful newborn, no, it's perfectly fine to do that. Please do not try to hold up having a COVID vaccine or any other type of vaccine to go see your grandkids. Go see yeah. them. Yeah, a lot of people ask those kinds of questions throughout COVID. So we see we see a lot of uh, questions similar to that. But anyway, it's interesting. Um, this one is from Anne. She says, thank you, Dr. McCullough and Malcolm, for your tireless work. Um, she said, appreciate you. I have child-bearing age adult relatives who have taken the shot and still believe it is safe and effective. Wow. I am concerned, especially for the females. I've been reading much about fertility, miscarriage, et cetera, issues secondary to the shot. Is there any way a young woman that has had the jabs can determine the health of her ovaries post-jab? In other words, what can she do to minimize the effect of the spike and its potential impact on a future pregnancy? Interesting question from... from uh, it is. Say to Anne? Yeah. So I would say that... A paper I think is very influential in all these questions it was published by Schmeling and colleagues from Denmark just a, a few, a month ago, I guess. And uh, Schmeling showed this, Malcolm, is they had the Pfizer uh, vaccine, they knew every single side effect, they had a complete data set. And what they found out is a third of people who take the shot, nothing happens, zero, zero side effects. It's like as if there wasn't even a shot, like a shot of saline. Uh, two thirds of people who take a shot 
have some moderate side effects, nothing serious, and they are ostensibly fine. However, 4.2% of people take a shot. It's like hell. Uh, the woman I described who's you know shaking, myocarditis, blood clots, you know, immediate death, damage. And so that 4.2% is the group that we worry about. So first thing I'd say is if someone took the vaccine and they literally had no side effects, I honestly would infer that they're probably going to be perfectly fine. And, uh, you know, the theory is they just don't get much or, or any RNA in these really low risk vials, whereas the high risk vials are loaded with messenger RNA. That's the theory. But one of the tip offs that ovarian function has been influenced is a change in the period. This is very important. So if periods have changed after the vaccine, that is, a you know, implies that the female reproductive system has been impacted. Now, there was a paper from British Medical Journal that showed on average, a woman's period is lengthened by the vaccine by a day. Hmm. And anything that lengthens the period changes the ovulatory fertilization and implantation cycle. So that would be the first inference. First question is, did periods change? Uh, and then beyond that, it's going to be back to routine obstetrical and gynecologic uh, care. Um, you know, I don't think there's any restrictions in someone uh, getting pregnant. I think if you're doing family planning, I'd want to make sure it's it's a great distance in time from the shot. I've been disturbed by this paper by Hoyert and colleagues. It's on the CDC website from the National Center for Health Statistics in March of 2022, Malcolm. It's on my Substack too, Courageous Discourse. Um, this is shocking. Maternal mortality, death of the mother has skyrocketed with vaccination, skyrocketed. All groups, highest group is actually African-American females. It's erased about four decades of progress in modern obstetrics. Wow. So Malcolm, women are dying during the pregnancy and they considered that in 42 days afterwards. It wow. Absolutely stunning. Today in my office, I had a woman who took the vaccine mm. uh, shortly before she got pregnant. She got pregnant. She had to take it for work, got pregnant, delivered the baby and had a horrendous complication of uh, an infection in the uh, pelvis, uh, formed a huge abscess, 13 centimeter abscess, had to have emergency surgery, have uh, a segment of her small bowel taken out. And, you know, she asked me, Dr. McCullough, did the vaccine do this? And I said, well, you know, I have to tell you, the vaccine has caused blood clots, it reduces wound healing. And, you know, women have had babies with modern OB-GYN care. When was the last time I had a a patient deliver a baby and have a 13 centimeter abscess within five days, it had to be drained. Never. And so, you know, I can tell you, listen, you know, we have to implicate the vaccine since that's the new thing that's come into people's lives. So I, I'd suggest uh, no vaccine for a considerable period of time, hopefully a year or so afterwards. And then, uh, you know, proceeding with uh, pregnancy with, you know, all the caveats of, you know, just receiving normal obstetrical care. In that year prior to pregnancy, one could consider natokinase, the product that's in the wellness company spike support supplement, two capsules twice a day. Um, can't make any therapeutic claims, but more and more data come in that natokinase clearly helps uh, reduce some of the the biological impact of the vaccine. A recent paper is going to come out on my Substack tomorrow. This actually has effects. It has antiviral effects of what the virus has done to the body. Hmm. Okay. All right. 
All right. This one is from Ken. He says, in mid-January, I met a friend who had four mRNA injections and a flu shot. We shook hands, sat and talked for about an hour. Very next day, I didn't feel too well and had a temperature of about 102.2 for three days. In mid-February, I didn't feel 100% and went to the hospital where I was admitted for four days. A CT scan revealed blood clots in my lungs. Neither I nor the attendant doctors had any idea why the clots formed, none in my legs at that point. I've read some people who have multiple mRNA jabs uh, can be shedding spike protein and wondering if this is possible, uh, possibly the cause of the clots. The three-day fever would indicate my immune system was fighting something, possibly a small amount of spike protein that caused the clot in the lungs. And this person, by the way, Peter, is 86, active, wow, and for the most part, enjoy quality, good health. Uh, so out of Ontario, Canada, what do you say to Ken here? That is a very interesting and impactful vignette. And we learn from vignettes. If I was to wager a guess, I would guess that that person who took four shots probably had circulating RNA. It may have been transmitted through exosomes to the person who came over and met him. But I think more importantly, I think the vaccinated person was carrying the virus, SARS-CoV-2. And uh, multiple papers show that from Chow, uh, Acharian, Rimerisma, Acorsi, they're all the first authors. It showed the vaccinated are loaded with virus in their nose and mouth, loaded when they come forward for testing. They have very high viral loads. I think he got exposed to this person, high viral load, gave it to him. He had a mild fever that, uh, you know, SARS-CoV-2 in his body and it precipitated the blood clot. Okay. All right. Wow. Quite a story. Uh, this one's from Tina. It says, Dear Dr. McCullough and Malcolm, thank you for being a voice of sanity in these crazy times <laughs> and for your dedication and sacrifices you made along the way on behalf of humanity. I am forever grateful. Uh, that's from Tina. And, you know, we get a lot of heartfelt, beautiful messages like that in here. And I don't get a chance to read a lot of them. And I, when I can put one in there, I just want people out there to know people are grateful. They really are grateful uh, for, 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 for everything, you know. So um, I had taken one Pfizer shot, uh, Tina says, in October 21. Had some vaccine injury symptoms, uh, cardiovascular and stomach pain. On February 10th this year, I tested positive for COVID and was quite sick at home for about five weeks. Yeah, COVID's not a quick sickness. It'll knock you down for a bit. I'm gradually recovering now and still have symptoms of long COVID. Yeah, you know, heart arrhythmia, chest pain, heart palpitations, dizziness, weakness, stomach pain. Wow. I'll be having a, a appointment, phone appointment with my cardio cardiologist um, here uh, soon. This is a follow-up appointment from a year ago. And I was, uh, what test should I ask the cardiologist to perform to rule out uh, pericarditis, myocarditis, and vascular damage from COVID. Should I ask for an MRI? Or I'll try, but I doubt she would agree. We live in Canada. Wow. What are the best imaging and blood tests to check post-COVID, both for cardio issues and in general? Would you recommend an echo uh, stress uh, uh, be advisable? She's got a lot of questions in here, but you, you get the general sense of what she's asking, Peter. You know. Right. So I can't give personal medical advice. I know some people are seeking that. Yeah. But in general, for myocarditis, and you can find this on my Substack. If you search a Courageous Discourse and then myocarditis, I've got a figure in it that I spent a lot of time creating. It's going to be in a textbook shortly, but it outlines all the tests. So the blood tests are the following. 
a high sensitivity troponin, BNP, galactin-3. Now, we also measure D-dimer because it's a proxy for the amount of spike protein in the blood. And we measure the antibodies quantitatively against the spike protein in the nucleocapsid. That'll be important in, in this case. Uh, because autoimmunity can be triggered, we measure the ANA test. And all these tests are available in Canada and she should ask for it. An EKG is fine. I think patients should have a physical exam. She said, do it by telemedicine. Boy, why, why don't you, you know, come in the office and get some routine care? I don't know if the Canadians are still afraid of, uh, of the virus, but we, we, you know, we have to get back to normal. The echocardiogram can show fluid around the heart in the case of pericarditis or decreased heart pumping function in the case of uh, you know, serious myocarditis. And then the gold standard is the cardiac MRI. And there's something called the Lake Louise uh, criteria for myocarditis, which is followed. And it really uh, is heavily weighted towards uh, MRI criteria that could show, the MRIs are so good, Malcolm, they can show if the heart is inflamed or the lining around the heart, the pericarditis or both. And commonly it's myopericarditis. Uh, and so the MRI is the gold standard, but the Lake Louise criteria say if the MRI shows myocarditis and there's consistent clinical findings like her chest pain and her symptoms that in fact it is indeed myocarditis uh, and it's probably the combination of the vaccine and the exposure to COVID, but that, that's a general approach. Okay, terrific. All right. Um, let me give folks now a very excited actually program a note uh, for you. Uh, you know, we get a lot of questions a lot in about nasal hygiene. It's been a big point to this whole thing. Uh, you remember Dr. McCullough early on did the, um, the that post that just about went viral, I guess, a, a couple times over on um, the povidon iodine that is on America out loud, uh, was well received out there. And we've been big uh, proponents here of that. And, and I'm, I'm guessing um, that I'm thinking, Peter, that nasal hygiene, the key here, and we'll dive more into this next week, but it will become part of our lifestyle now, part of our daily habits, like we wash our hands, we do other things, brush our teeth. Uh, that nasal area, I think we've learned and discovered so much about how that harbors these viruses and that have the potential to get into our respiratory tract and into our lungs. I mean, that's that's a fast track to getting really, really sick. And I've experienced that firsthand myself with my wife in that way, that through COVID, through the Delta variant that uh, almost took her life. So I'm very familiar with this part of the broadcast to be sure with you. We're doing a two-hour nasal hygiene summit, uh, Dr. McCullough and I, uh, and we've got all kinds of folks that'll be on there. We've got uh, specialists in the air, nose, throat. We've got um, some of the um, nasal hygiene manufacturers coming out, now the um, product itself, and other things just to inform, inform, inform. And uh, so that's going to be May 10th, May 10th, uh, Wednesday, the normal time that you, you hear Dr. McCullough and I on Pulse. But it will be five to seven that particular day. It's a two-hour event, two-hour event. And it will it will go to podcast, as all the shows do. It will be a two-hour broadcast. There's going to be a ton of information in there, in that broadcast. I've never done this kind of a thing. I just felt the timing was right, and we thought, and to do something unique about this. So it's a nasal hygiene summit. We're going to flush out and bring, and talk about all the reasons, the cause, things we can do to benefit ourselves, why it works, what what are the best products to use. How to use them? What do you? What else do you see coming out of that, Doctor McCall? 
There's emerging science, Malcolm, and you know we plan to do a deep dive on it. We wanted the perspective of an ear, nose, and throat doctor, and mm-hmm. uh, you know what they've learned because they do surgeries, they they do um, endoscopic inspection of the nasopharynx. Uh, you know, I can tell you this much. I just I would just say from a lay perspective, I think the days of getting a cold, letting the sinuses get really congested. And grabbing Kleenex and and coughing and sneezing and just blowing your nose and riding it out are over. Malcolm, over. I mean, those days, and we Mm. learned with COVID, the first time I had COVID, that's exactly what happened to me. I blew my nose, my sinuses got congested, and sure enough, after five days, it invaded my lungs. And I think those days are over with. Um, I can tell you recently, um, my my uh, wife's mother had a cold. We had some several family events and then it was slow motion. She seemed to give it to my daughter. My daughter had the cold and uh, my, my daughter, we were really aggressive on using the nasal sprays. Maybe we thought we were out of the woods. Sure enough, I started to get uh, a cold, but I was already doing it preventively. When I started to get any symptoms at all, I really started to do the oral nasal hygiene, honestly, every four hours, and I hit it hard. I reduced the period of time for symptoms, Malcolm, to a day. Yeah. yeah. Day. These used to be a week of getting sick, a week of of, of lots of congestion and blow your nose, and then another week of coughing and, and purulent sputum production. That's changed now. That has really been a game changer. We're going to go over the emerging science in this area. This is something everybody can learn. This is probably one of the greatest spinoffs in terms of new knowledge from the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, that is so well said. Everything you said there, lock, stock, and barrel, so well said, Peter. Thank you for that. Um, I, I mean, it, it's it's true. It's just It's just true. It works. It has worked. It is working. It will work. But to hear you say the way it's limited that you're so accurate. And instead of a week or two, a week to 10 days of being miserable, I mean, really sick. And I, 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 I'm I'm a bit of a baby with that kind of thing. I don't do well with sick. My wife knows <laughs> she's a better candidate than I. I'm not good at being sick. And you know, I have to tell you, uh, tell you the truth right here. We've had no sicknesses in in our, our home, none from because we use the nasal hygiene we you we take healthy cell we do all the things i preach to you all to do are things we do in our lives and i know dr mccullough does them as well because he's been talking about this religiously for months and months and months years he's been talking about the nasal hygiene been talking about the healthy cell been talking about all the things we talk about but we're not just talking about it because we're talking about it we're talking about it because we use it and we like it and it makes a difference in our lives. And I think it's important to say that, Peter, you know, it's true. Malcolm, let me say that, you know, I was uh, uh, in a sense gloating that I had not gotten a viral infection through four months of 2023. And I got tagged at the end of April. But that happened during a period of time where I had run out of my healthy cell immune super boost. That is my good luck charm. And, uh, you know, I was out of it for about 10 days or so. I'm right back up on it. In fact, when I get sick now, I just do it twice a day. I give it to my mother-in-law and my wife. And, uh, you know, the microgel technology has been such a huge breakthrough. And people are gobbling all these 
all these chalky tablets and capsules. And I really wonder how much actually gets into the system. The microgel with the healthy cell, we really have confidence it gets into the system. Uh, the products really do work. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think uh, I think the world of, of the company and its president, and I know we've done a show with him in, in the past, Dr. Giapapa, uh, I believe, um, did did just a wonderful job with this invention, but it's a combination of the oral nasal hygiene, really meticulous attention to vitamin and nutraceutical supplementation, and actually being smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for instance, you know, the last several nights, the first thing when somebody gets sick in our house, we split up. We don't sleep in the same bedroom. You know, because mm-hmm. it, it takes if someone's sick, Malcolm, and they have a virus, it takes about three hours of exposure before you pass it to somebody else. It's not a little fleeting, uh, you know, uh, You know, hello, how are you doing at church? You really got to sit next to somebody uh, for a period of time in order to transfer the virus. And the other thing I was going to say is, you know what's really upped the whole intensity here? It's so completely unacceptable to show up to work or other public congregate settings sick. And we used to do it all the time. We used to show up with colds and coughing and sneezing and and um, uh, you know Kleenexes. And that's another thing, Malcolm. Uh, you know that I think is a positive spinoff of this is that when you are sick and you're coughing and sneezing and using Kleenexes, that's the time to really ramp up and use hand sanitizer because the the, the mucus is in the Kleenex. The Kleenex is wet. You're touching it the hand does have viruses on it. And that's the time to use hand sanitizer. Keep telling yourself, listen, I'm sick. Where's the hand sanitizer? Use the hand sanitizer when you're sick. It doesn't do much when you're not sick. Everyone always wants to do hand sanitizer when they feel well. No, it's when you're sick, use hand sanitizer. Yeah, and if you really want to avoid these uh, these viral catastrophes, use some sort of a nasal hygiene product, whatever you do, get it up there and clean your nose. Um, and, and again, this is going to be a super event. I mean, I, I just kind of feel it. I have a good feeling about it. And every time we've done these, you're right when you mentioned a moment ago that we did do a program. I forgot about that actually a while back with Dr. Vincent G. and Papa. Uh, right. So it was quite extraordinary. We did another one with Nathan Jones from CLIA. We, you know, we're just trying to bring best practices uh, to the mic and to help people out, to help our fellow man out. And that's a lot of what we do. I, I'm seeing this two hour summit. This is. It, it, this goes really well. I believe it will. I, I see us doing different things like this to bring to uh, the public's attention and bring them in uh, really excellent. I, I call this excellence in broadcasting, really. And the fact that I get, you know, we get to do that, Dr. McCullough and I, and bring it to the masses and to people like this. I think it's going to be very, very special. All of this, uh, we're going to really keep aside as resources because people, they constantly send us questions and they go back and listen to the older shows. They listen to the McCullough Report months and months back because they send us emails to say they're looking for this, looking for that. What about that episode? We get that all the time. Uh, same thing with Pulse. We get all kinds of, for the Q&As we've been doing for years now, well, we get all kinds of questions on those. So anyways, two-hour summit, the Nasal Hygiene Summit, uh, Wednesday, May 10th, it kicks off right there for that two hours, five to seven, the normal block of time, five, except we're taking the extra hour for the five to seven for this exclusive event. It will go to podcast. Tell your friends, your family, others to join in, and let's hopefully we'll just inform a lot of people and really all get educated. I'm looking forward to learning some things myself from it. So anyways, put that aside there, okay? Next Wednesday, May 10th, 
And then don't forget the Healthy Cell. You get 25% off. You can go to healthycell.com forward slash out loud or just easier click those banner ads back at America Out Loud. You'll see them right there. They're they're not they're they're not invasive. They're not in your way, but they're they're there. Just a few posts down or on every post page, you'll see them. And you click that, you'll automatically get the discount with that. Use the code out loud. The key is out loud is the key to this thing. Uh, same thing with the nasal hygiene with COVID. You get 20% off, use the code out loud. And that banner ad is there as well. And I, I just really quickly want to get in, because you mentioned with the spike support, the uh, the Nato kinase, uh, Peter, right? Just a bit ago here. And uh, that was the spike support. That is having great success uh, to help with spike, uh, the spike protein to limit that, you know, especially with long COVID and people that are really uh, had a lot of problems with shedding or people like some of the questions we talked about here. Spike support has got a whole host of ingredients in there. Dr. McCullough and I talked about it last week in more detail. Anyways, you get 25% off of that as well using the code out loud. And you can click the banner ad back there for that or go to uh, uh, out loud care. Uh, I believe it's outloudcare.com. Uh, let me just confirm that. Yes, outloudcare.com. Just confirming that with you. Uh, now you can also get the discount there. We'll take a quick pause here, friends. We'll join you just on the other side here. Uh, you're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's COFIXRX.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. Okay, this is number 67. Uh, the Q&A here. Uh, welcome back, friends, to America Out Loud Pulse. It's Malcolm Out Loud here along with Dr. Peter McCullough. And uh, again, we were just telling you before the break about the Nasal Hygiene Summit uh, next week, May 10th, uh, 5 to 7. Looking forward to this thing. So let's, let's make it a grand event and learn a lot from it. And... Uh, Tell folks about it. So I will jump right back into some questions here in Q&A 67. Kimberly uh, says, interesting question. Um, this comes up, Dr. McCullough, in regards to some of the stuff about the uh, uh, problems with the uh, uh, fruits and vegetables, meats, things we eat, I guess. Kimberly says, this is, I mean, I don't know that there's a reasonable answer to this, but how do we avoid eating or drinking without getting unwanted mRNA? 
This is one of the questions I think that, how do we? It's impossible. If we don't know what they're putting in these foods and meats and things or when they're growing up, Peter, there's no way to know, is there? Well, I tell you what, uh, the news cycle in the last month has really opened our eyes. Uh, you know, I've ended up talking, we had a personal conversation with uh, Sid Miller, who's our director of agriculture in Texas. And uh, Tom Rents has been working with uh, Missouri Representative uh, Holly Jones on this. Uh, this is what we know. The genetic vaccines are for sure in pigs, for sure. And so ham, bacon, Canadian bacon. Now there, there's never been any documented transmission of the genetic vaccines or MRI into humans. There's been a few studies. And I think it's because the, the pork is cooked so thoroughly and cured, it just denatures it. And uh, remember, pork has to be cooked really well anyway, because it has the uh, eggs in it for sister psychosis or a form of a, a worm. So you can never eat pork uncooked, never. Hmm. So it has to be cooked really well. You know, so you want that, uh, what's the, is it honey baked ham? That's the pre-cooked ham, right? It's just, uh, yeah, yeah. cook the crud out of it. I think that's fine. <laughs> cook now, the crud out of it, I like that. <laughs> no, but it, it's, it's fine. And, and you think about bacon, this bacon's always really cooked. But here's the concern. The concern is beef. Now, um, oh. I'm down in Texas. People eat beef, and you know, I tell you, these uh, these cowboys, they you know, they like medium rare. Some of them like it rare. They like blood coming out of it. <laughs> well, you know, it's, maybe the outside is kind of cooked at a high temperature, but the inside isn't. And there are some Middle Eastern uh, cultures. Some of our Middle Eastern um, listeners will will verify this that they actually eat high quality beef raw. There's mm. actually, there's yeah. raw raw beef. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, isn't yeah. there, um, isn't Carpaccio also? Yes, is it is. It is. Yeah. yeah. So it's so, a, yeah, a lot of places have that. Yeah. So, so the concern here is. Do you eat beef? I have to ask you. Do you eat beef? Rarely. Okay. You, you know, I think once a month is okay. I try to go two week, two days a week vegetarian. And I think tonight, I'm going to check with my wife. Um, uh, I think tonight's going to be vegetarian night. But um, yeah, rarely. You know, so, and I tell you, in general, for cardiovascular health, it's not good to be eating red meat three times a day. And oh, no, I, no, no. I talked to some of these patients, and yeah. you know, they have sausages, sausages and bacon in the morning. <laughs> then they have at noon, they have a burger, and then they're out for a steak. <laughs> in the evening. No, I mean, I'm serious. It's just that guy's got cholesterol problems. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, yeah, because because here's the deal. The red meat has saturated fat, and saturated fat stimulates the production of cholesterol. But back to the beef, what happened was uh, House Bill 1169 in Missouri got advanced, and ultimately it, it sorted out. It was very interesting. The U.S. Cattlemen's Association, former president is Brooke Miller. I know Brooke. He's an internist. He's been on TV with me and spoke on stage at the CPAC. They came out and supported House Bill 1169, which was transparency legislation that said, listen, if the cattle industry starts with genetic vaccines and the USDA indicates they're imminent, they're, they're probably going to start as soon as the companies get approval, that here we go. We, we want some transparency on this. And actually, a lot of farmers had gathered on this and said, listen, we, we want to tell people you know, that we're not using the genetic vaccines, these uh, organic farmers, others who are working hard, uh, the good guys. So everyone said, let's be transparent. It went to a vote 
All the Republicans voted for transparency. If this comes, you got to put a sticker on it. And guess what? The bad guys, the bad guys was the National Cattlemen and Beef Association. Uh, and the Democrats, actually, they all voted for no transparency and they prevailed. Yeah, it was very controversial. That has been trending on America Out Loud for uh, about a week and a half now. You're right. It's been a hot, 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 hot story on our platform. We have a new trend in cloud. Uh, We've been really worked hard on this. Our our tech team did at America Out Loud. Have you noticed that, Peter, the trend in cloud? Yeah, well, you know, I I had somebody comment the other day telling me that, you know, our programs are so highly ranked in the stratosphere of podcasts it's it's really amazing what the platform has done yeah it's 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 remarkable but the trending cloud is very very cool it's right at the top of america out loud we got some cool things coming up too stay close by for i'm going to be really excited another week or two to tell you some new developments on the platform too so we're always working here on that but anyways that that hb1169 that dr mccullough is talking about has been trending for a little bit here let me get a few more questions in here why let me talk about the the uh vegetables real quick because that's probably what the question is so on my Substack, there's uh, several papers, about six of them, one to highlight by Corrup and Thomas, and it's a review about edible vaccines. And what I want people to know is that the WHO in 2005 had a meeting about edible vaccines. Now, the, this is different than cattle. Remember the cattle and pigs, it's vaccinating to protect the animals. When you vaccinate plants, that means you're trying to deliver it to the people who eat them, which are either, again, livestock or humans. And the 2005 WHO meeting said, listen, if any company is going to do this or any farmers, he's got to go through full kind of regulatory approval, like going to the FDA. And that was in 2005. Uh, There has been successes in phase one and phase two studies. So for instance, getting um, messenger RNA into watermelon juice and fruit juice will definitely get into a human. That's been done. Uh, They've tried to put um, hepatitis B, cholera, vaccines into uh, potatoes, uh, other foodstuffs, and there's been partial successes there. Um, But people need to be aware this could be coming. They need to push for transparency. Um, I recently had on my show, Steve Smith, and boy, that show was so popular about genetically modified organisms. I learned a ton about that. Anybody that's just, uh, uh, you know, on the podcast circuit this week, it's really big. Um, I learned a lot right now, Malcolm, the best advice is go organic and insist on it. After I finished with Steve Smith, I went home and talked to my wife. I said, honey, it can, we can only get organic right now. At least organic certification is giving you some assurances that the products are not going to be tainted with genetic. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of us are kind of are doing that now, truth, truth be told. At one point, years back, we used to chuckle or laugh at organic and think, ah, ha, ha, whatever, you know, why spend more? But you know what? Today, I'm not taking a chance. I'd rather spend a little bit more to have the quality. So I think that's good advice, Dr. McCullough, uh, the the organic, to, for the quality purpose. You, you, you bet. Our, what, what's more important than our health? Nothing. we got to have our health, obviously. Let me get this one in here from Wyatt. It says, um, Hello there, been a long-time listener, first-time caller. I love that when he says caller, sent his message in. So the old-fashioned radio, I love it. I was wondering what Dr. McCullough thinks of the home testing. How long after recovering from COVID can you still get positive? For example, it's been 10 days since symptoms started and feeling much better. 
mainly just a little bit of runny nose. However, a, a home t- at home test uh, came back positive still. How long can you test positive for and can you still be contagious? You know, I'm really, that's a very important question. My advice, and this goes along with the CDC and WHO, no more testing. So when you get sick with COVID, the test can indicate whether or not you have it, but it doesn't tell you when it's gone. The resolution of clinical symptoms, uh, the five-day period the CDC says right now is fine. If he feels better, it's over with. The body's already formed immunity to it. The test will be intermittently positive for months, could be intermittently positive for six months. So don't do testing as a guide for when you can get out of the house and go back to work. Follow your clinical symptoms. If there's no fever for 48 hours, uh, the cough is manageable, it's been more than five days, fine to return to normal life. Don't keep testing at home. Okay. All right. Clint says, have there been any studies on weight gain and the Moderna poison? I've not heard of that question. Have you? Weight gain? No, I haven't. Some people have re- reported weight gain that may be related to more to some psychiatric, psychological manifestations. But no, uh, the serious vaccine injury symptoms are usually associated with weight loss, muscle loss, hair loss, people's hairs will fall out. And when there's hair loss, a lot of times there's um, skin and nail changes. Okay, all right. And uh, Kevin says, is uh, Paxlovid uh, safe to take? Paxlovid is safe. It's on my uh, Substack. It's gonna come out in the next few days. There's been a recent large study looking for drug interactions. And honestly, they've been way overstated. I think Paxlovid is safe. It's modestly effective. Uh, my personal choice, if you know, if I had the range of all the drugs in front of me, I'd grab for ivermectin at the higher dose. Uh, but believe me, if if the choice is nothing or Paxlovid, take Paxlovid. Okay, and you mentioned ivermectin. I'm going to squeeze this last one in from Richard, um, and he because he's talking about ivermectin. He says I'm looking for information on ivermectin. Uh, what what um, I read about clinical trials showing ivermectin is highly effective at killing the COVID virus. Plus, there is strong antidotal evidence supporting ivermectin being highly effective at killing. Well, he already said the COVID virus. Yeah, I was researching this a couple of years ago, but now there is a lot of censoring going on to stop people from seeing these clinical trials and any or all evidence showing ivermectin is good at killing the virus. Go hmm. to C, go to C19 Meta, M-E-T-A. Uh, that's the best uh, overall summary. You'll find about 55 randomized trials, links to every trial, there's about a 50% reduction in mortality, works better early, but uh, ivermectin is unique because it did reduce mortality through the entire continuum, outpatient and inpatient. The other drugs, hydroxychloroquine, Paxlovid, they're more leveraged towards outpatient use, uh, but the best place is C19 Meta, uh, a, a related website that actually they're basically the same as C19 Study. Next week, the Nasal Hygiene Summit we're having on the 10th here. Any questions you have that you want to have answered from the specialists on and the others, uh, go ahead and email them into talk at americaoutloud.com. Talk at americaoutloud.com or just go to the Pulse page on the shows uh, on the nav bar at America Out Loud and put your question right in there for the Nasal Hygiene and we'll get the answers from the docs and all uh, that day. So just want to remind you to do that as well. Our friends, that's a wrap from here. Thank you for joining us on the mission here on America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat ahead.